0: Welcome back to Chatting Rabbis. This is Eliezer Zalmanov in Munster, Indiana. Mendy from Istanbul, Turkey. It's our 39th episode. If, what's the gematria of 39? 28 is Yechi. 28 we said is Yechi, 39 is the uh, Malkus.
1: The 39 Melachis of Shabbos, the 39 forbidden works on Shabbos.
0: Right, so 39 is a special number. Every number is special and of course our podcast is very special so we always have a way to connect it to important and special things. So, Mandy, what's on your mind this week? Um,
1: I have lots of things on my mind, as usual, but today I want to talk about something which is a little bit sensitive, um, or a lot sensitive.
0: I guess depending on how you say it.
1: Uh, you mean how sensitive people who are listening to this will become? But um, yes, it's a, it's, somebody shared a post with me from a, a Chabad psychologist. A bal tshuva, a balas tshuva, recently, or maybe not so recently, somebody who was returned, um, we call it returned to, the, you know, to be observant. She wasn't born observant, she became observant. And she wrote a very lengthy, very moving post, which I shared with you in the beginning of the week. And the post is about, very much about how people who are born Hasidim don't really understand where people who are embraced the Hasidic lifestyle later on in their life, how we don't understand them, and how people who have embraced the Hasidic lifestyle later on in their life are not really equipped with certain tools, um, which are not, not spoken tools, to actually become chabad rabbis during their adulthood something like that i'm paraphrasing but yes
0: i mean it's a it's a a generality because obviously it always depends on the individual and i think what what that writer was going for was that when a person becomes newly religious and then newly hasidic or we call them hasidim by choice so to speak and they aren't necessarily given the right tools to become fully integrated, fully blended into Chabad society. And we and they expect them to just put on the clothing, look the part, play the part, but not always are they, in fact, ready for it, to live the lifestyle as we do, those of us who were born into it.
1: Now, before we, before we delve in, into this, and I'm sorry for cutting you out, it just popped into my mind that we got to make this, this uh, disclaimer before. As I was uh, signing on to this uh, to the podcast to, to record the podcast, somebody forwarded me a very beautiful video of a son of a famed Hasid, a son of uh, even more famous Hasid who sat in jail for many years for teaching Torah. And um, this uh, Hasid was a student by at the Rebbe's uh, yeshiva while his father was still in jail. And he was, uh, was going out with a recently, apparently, a Baal Tshuva, who they were going out to get married. And I guess at the first date, he discovered that her father, you know, he's not a Chabad rabbi. He's actually a rabbi in a conservative synagogue. And, you know, doesn't have a beard. It's not part of the thing. And he felt maybe it's not befitting for him. His father is still sitting in jail in Russia. Uh, very, very far away from him, for teaching Torah and doing hasidism And and he's going to marry uh, somebody who's uh, recently uh, adapted Hasidic lifestyle by choice. So he wrote to the Rebbe. Maybe he should not continue. And the Rebbe said, There's nothing to do with the parents. If you want to continue going out, you should. If not, not. There's nothing to do with the parents. He said at the beginning he thought that maybe what the rebbe was referring that um, it doesn't really matter who is um, who who are the parents of the girl you're dating, and later he understood that maybe the rebbe meant that it doesn't matter who your parents are. It really depends on on on. On you, if you want, on the individual, an individual, right? Individual, if you you know, if you think it's it's the right match, then continue dating. If not,
0: not. What are you mixing parents into the soup? Right, and that's and that's and that's exactly the point, yeah. That that the individual is that what matters. So you, in, in the case of a shidduch, like you like you said, you meet the person, and if it's appropriate, it doesn't matter what her background is, and doesn't matter who her parents were, as if she's the right person and she's with the program, so to speak, then good. But that's something that needs to be figured out. and needs to be determined from the onset, and that's you don't want to learn later on that that it was a mistake. Obviously, every shidduch is bashert, and you hope that it all works out for the best. But nevertheless, proper uh, uh, I don't know if research is the right word or investigation or or asking the right questions. You just need to know what you're what you're getting into. Right. But this post that I mentioned before that I forwarded to you uh,
1: argued a different point and argued that there are certain things that we don't understand about people who have uh, embraced the Hasidic lifestyle later on in life. And uh, there are certain things that I agree with the post, certain things that I don't. But I want to first speak about uh, something which I believe is important, and I believe that not many of us practice it, but are not really aware of it. And that is what I call the wink. What is the wink? For many people, when they uh, embrace the Hasidic lifestyle or you know, religious lifestyle in general. Everything that is written is Torah so to speak. It's from God, from Moses, directly from God, given on Mount Sinai. Whether it is a kaporis on uh, Erev Yom Kippur, whether it is uh, to eat gefilte fish with chrein, or maimachroinim, or a whole bunch of other things, or having the ring off your your finger if you're a lady when you wash, uh, for, or wash for bread. Everything that is written or that you see that is, uh, you know, done in the Hasidic circle, you think, well, this is the way it has to be. And there's no other, you know, this is just, ha- that's the way it is. While people who grow up in the Hasidic, not necessarily in the Chabad circles, if you grow up in a, an observant community, you know what are the red lines but you also know where are the pink lines and you also know it doesn't say anywhere but you also know what things are acceptable and what things are absolutely not acceptable
0: depending on the circumstances on this on a specific situation you have to know when you can enforce specific stringencies and when and what is considered a stringency and what is not considered
1: absolute and sometimes us people like me and you who did grow up in the hasidic lifestyle we also know that even things that says in no certain terms that this is the way it's supposed to be you know yes it's the way it's supposed to be but if you can it's the way it's supposed to be and you know sometimes things are written in very very strong terms because sometimes you have to write in strong terms things which most people you know are not that careful with it because this is the way the tradition is that this is not something that one should be absolutely absolutely careful with
0: you know there, there's a, a concept that uh, how do you know that uh, someone is not an imposter when he tries to join a group or he's come as an outsider joining a group if he knows how to pronounce the word shibola the
1: story comes when the the, the one of the tribes of israel there was a tribe that said used to pronounce Sibolet, and right. uh, everybody has Shibolet and in order
0: to identify which of these tribes was the Sibolet, they asked them. So when um, when uh, you have a, a, uh, a newcomer to a community, it's almost expected for them to take on all of the stringencies and all of the details and all the cus- customs and the minhagim and the traditions, so that they blend in and they don't stand out because the the biggest fear a person has is at least for most people maybe some people don't care is to stand out is to be different is to be the outcast is to to be that uh, that standing out like a sore thumb where everybody's behaving a certain way and you're different so sometimes these these minhagim and these these traditions that are unique to a specific community but are not absolutes like we said become absolute because people want to belong. They want to become part of it. And, you know, when it, we have a lot of outwardly external expressions of that, whether for a man it's wearing a kapata and a gartel, and for a woman wearing a sheitel and, and dressing a certain way. That's just how a a card-carrying Chabadnik, behaves and dresses. And people that want to become part of the community will do that, even if they may not necessarily be ready on the inside.
1: Right. Now, so so this is this is one important thing that that, ha, that they, I want to, to you know to bring up, and then the other thing is that they, and that is probably um, you know certain things are not told. We we do gr- we grow up in large families. Um, okay, mo- not everybody has a very large family, but we grow up around large families. Um, if we don't have large families, it's not by choice. Let's put it that way. But we grew up around at least
0: not uh, at least at least not people our age and older. That's
1: right. So it's uh, yeah, t- t- things are changing, but um, it's not. You know, we grew up around large families, so we know how to deal with having a lot of kids at home. It's something that nobody taught us. Nobody. Uh, uh, we just that's how we, we know how it is.
0: And and just a, a side a side note, we we learned from our parents how to do it. And also sometimes we learn from our parents how not to do it.
1: That's right. So we definitely, we learn from experience. And my son, uh, my oldest son, Ellie, always says the reason why the firstborn gets a double portion of inheritance because he was a trial and error. He's the guinea pig. Exactly. So, so yes. So we learn, you know, we're in a certain environment that learns how to deal with these things. People who do not come with this from this background actually don't know how to handle it. And there is no school that could teach you how to do it besides common sense, and it's sometimes it's it's very very heavy and hard for somebody who you know he was twenty years old when he embraced a Hasidic lifestyle, and he was married by twenty five, and by thirty years already four kids, and by thirty five he has eight kids, and he really didn't have time to process it. So anyway, this lady in in her po in her post, she was really advocating how the Chabad rabbis should not assume. Uh, you know, once a person wears a black hat, he is all on his own and he's free to go. You got to keep on uh, guiding and teaching and being part. But there is, uh, she also argues that, you know, sometimes as a person has was all heated up, um, you know, running to embrace the newly found truth, which is the truth, and is all heated up. But then, you know, after this... Initial excitement, which lasts for some years... It comes the wear and tear. It comes the regular mundane life. You still have to gotta make uh, make a you know a couple bucks to live. And you it's no longer that you're embracing sitting in a yeshiva and a, a yeshiva was gonna yeshiva with the with the rabbi who's gonna sit with you and fabring with you and teach you and uh, guide you and give you some more attention. You know now you gotta find a job and you don't know you no longer have that much time to spend on davening and on learning and you don't see the progress. And then you start having some issues with your kids and education of your kids. And you got to give it. It's a very,
0: it's a, it's a tall task. And these are things that everybody deals with. Even, even those of us born within the program. Of course, of course. It's something that
1: all of us deal with it. But uh, sometimes some people deal with that. Plus dealing with their very internal you know our our i mean our mind me mine and yours our default is falling back to what our parents taught us others don't have this falling back to what our parents taught us you know you're 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 falling back to to to, to, your, to your childhood is okay uh, from time to time you went to a baseball match or okay you listen not only to Nechoyach you also listen to Avon Fried and Mordecai David maybe schlockrock
0: Rock. so I, what, I, what I think you're saying is that is that not, not that we shouldn't uh, encourage people to become frum and to embrace the Hasidic lifestyle and to ad- adopt the whether it's the code of dress or the code of conduct but rather even once they're already you know lock, stock and barrel all bought into it and they're starting families that we can't just let them go on their own just because they look like you and I right now just like just because they look like us and they look like they were born into the program and they dress the same and they behave the same doesn't mean that they are prepared to go out on their own. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not, necess- it's not a knock or disparaging on the individuals. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is, is this what you're saying? That, that there needs to be more of a, uh, a framework for them to continue growing and, and a support system for uh, of for a recent and also not recent, who are living the same lifestyle as us but still need to have that backing? So
1: that's that's one part of it. That's one part of it. And the second thing is... Um, it's really we, all of us, all of us within you know this uh, framework, have to to learn and to be more sensitive and also to have. To, it was it was a very important read for me. This post it was important. You mean
0: like lowering our expectations?
1: Not lowering our expectations. Opening our hearts and minds to trying to understand where other people are coming from and the challenges which they have, which are sometimes and many times and most times greater than the challenges and sometimes they are not even aware of these challenges because of where they come from
0: so they think that this is what everybody's dealing with
1: that's right and they and and it's not and it's not because right. you know and, and even I, I once had the uh, uh, you know somebody who became very close to to, to judaism okay I didn't become a chabad rabbi I didn't become but i was in their home for a shabbat and i did saw i did see that there's missing some uh, what for me are very important components of what the shabbat table or shabbat environment would be because there's one thing about learning it from the books and one thing about uh, learning it from or not
0: even learning, having it ingrained in you. Experience and by, by being around, by being in, immersed in the culture and living it long enough that it becomes part of who you are. Exactly,
1: exactly. You
0: know, I, 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 have, I have a lot of experience with people in prison. Uh, thankfully, the, in, in Indiana, there are not many Jewish prisoners, but there are a lot of people that like to consider themselves Jewish because they, uh, they get, get better feels the food the kosher food is better um but there are a handful of jews unfortunately who are there for the long haul uh, probably life sentences and uh, over time i've gotten to know them i visit them you know, i used to visit them before COVID once a month and now prisons are still on lockdown since then and i used to do give them a share we used to learn and we had two or three actual jews and then four or five additional uh, uh, people that liked uh, to learn about judaism and why not give them something to do for a, for an hour a week or a month so These guys, these Jewish guys get uh, pamphlets and mailings from the Aleph Institute in in Bell Harbor in Florida, and one of the things that they get sent is the Chayenu. The Chayenu is a a publication, a a, a weekly publication with Torah study for every day of the week, with translation in English, and they learn a lot of the the lingo, of the vernacular, from these pamphlets. But... Their pronunciation is often way off because all, the only way they know when they write me letters, they're, they're sometimes writing letters that sounds like it's coming from a fellow Chabadnik. But when you actually have the conversation with them and they're talking about uh, Chabad Lubavitch, you know that uh, they still have a long way to go because they haven't lived the life and uh, and haven't really discovered anything other than what they are reading behind bars. Funny story: one of the guys that I that I uh, know in the Indiana State Prison. Uh, started growing a, a beard. He, you know, decided he's becoming from, He's growing a beard, but once, a, once in a while, when his family visits him, he has to shave his beard because he has a young niece who gets scared of him with a beard. So he shaves his beard when he knows that they're coming, and then after they leave, he, he lets it grow back. So I'm sitting in there and learning with them once, and this guy, is newly shaven, and his friend, the other Jew, comes in, and looks at him. And you have to know a little bit of Yiddish for this story um, and the background of the story. But uh, his other friend, who also has a beard, looks at him and says to him, it says to him in a very broken Yiddish, because he only knows this from the texts. He says, Yid, wo is dein Bord? And the guy replies, Bord, wo is dein Yid? The story about the difference between the Chassid and the Masnagid or something like that, where uh, they come to heaven, and one of them has a beard, one of them doesn't have a beard, and the, one of them is going to be asked, Yid, where's your beard? And... The other person is going to be asked, "Beard, where's your yid?" So these people uh, were were playing this game. They they had read it in some publication and they uh, they they knew the story, but the, their pronunciation was very far off.
1: It was a captivated audience, so.
0: Yes, very captive audience.
1: So, um, but yes, there, there is something to it, and I, it's I know it's a very it's a sensitive topic and and really sometimes because it's a sensitive topic many of us like sort of run away and hide from from talking about it um, you know because first of all you don't want to sound bo- discouraging you don't want to sound discor- discouraging you don't want to sound boasting you don't want to put people down but you you we also have to have our hearts open and our minds open to to understand and to learn how people advance in their pace and the challenges which they have, as I mentioned before. And it, it is it is something sensitive, and I know that we'll get some flack for even bringing up this topic, but I think it's, it's an important something important to say, important to air out.
0: I mean, this fits in with, with the Rebbe's campaign in the 70s for every person to have a mashpia. To have a mentor, and this obviously applies to a, a born and bred Chassid, but it, it certainly applies also to someone who, um, or maybe even more so, to someone who is a Chassid by choice, as we as we said. And a, a mashpia doesn't mean just a general mashpia for the community or for a class or as a as a general teacher a counselor, a mentor, a, a one-on-one uh, mentor where a person has his own his questions on his own, on, for his need, need for spiritual guidance and just a little bit of oversight, but individual oversight, not just uh, as as part of the bigger picture and when every individual has a mashpia that they can turn to and not only that they turn to the mashpia when they need something but the mashpia turns to them on a a, a regular basis just to inquire how they're doing and and make suggestions and make recommendations and ask questions and you know sniff out what the situation is that's a big part of of why the Rebbe wanted everyone to have a mashpia, and it doesn't only apply. Again, it applies to every type of person. Depend, even even the, the biggest Rosh Yeshiva, even the biggest scholars within Chabad, should have a mashpia of their own with whom they can communicate and have this this kind of relationship with. A mentor is very important.
1: Right, but it's also important that the mentor should actually know and should be able to relate to people in their situation. You know, you could have a mentor from uh, all the way from the deep the uh, you know of crown heights and be a great, must a great chassid, but he doesn't really know the challenges that you're going through, and if somebody who doesn't know the challenges that the individual go through, so he can give you the great advice from the holy books but not necessarily you could actually apply it to the day-to-day uh, life of any of an individual
0: and that's that's 100% true we we had a uh, a young man living in our community for a few years he was from a chabad family originally and he they took a, a slight detour around the block as they say so to speak and in the end, he came here for a job. He started coming to us regularly. He started coming to us for Shabbos. Eventually, he became Frum again. He moved back to Crown Heights. And he became completely Frum and back into the, uh, in the fold. And then one day, he calls me out of the blue. And he asks me, You know, I was still in touch with him here and there. But he calls me out of the blue and asks me if I can be his mashpia, if I can be his mentor. Because he, he knows that the Rabbi wanted everyone to have a mashpia. So can I uh, fill that role for him? And at the beginning, I said, sure, no problem. But after a while, I realized that I'm not cut out for this. I'm not the right person to be your Mashpia. The types of questions that you're asking and the type of guidance that you need is beyond my capabilities and beyond my comfort level. And also, I don't feel comfortable enough to advise you based on your current situation. When you were living here and you weren't from, and you, you lived in our house, basically, and you were coming to us all the time, that person I'm able to help, but then you graduated to the next level, and it's not that I'm saying that you don't need a mashpia. I'm saying that I'm not the right person for you and you need to find someone who's in the in this situation that you are and is is familiar with your situation and can hand, and can talk to you on your level.
1: right. So you need somebody that should be wise enough and open enough that you could also speak to him freely. Um, that's also something important. It's important to have a mashpia, but it's also important that uh, you know be truthful to yourself and be truthful to the person who you're trying to take counsel from. And that sometimes sometimes it's a big problem for, for, for people like us who are busy counseling other people and we think that we do know or lots of the answers that should be given but that is because uh, sometimes we are uh, we're not truthful to ourselves. we hide behind our certain predicaments and maybe this is the the flip side. It is because we grew up in, uh, in this uh, bubble it is because we grew up in this, so we think that we already have our you know, comfort zone, and we do have our answers, and yeah, it's easy to just fall back and to, be, to lie to ourselves, basically, not to be totally truthful to ourselves, because we know that our fallback, it goes to a certain place.
0: You know, when, you do your, when you do your taxes here in America, and you hire an accountant to do it for you, you sign a document basically saying that the, the accountant is only filing your taxes based on information that you gave him he's not actually doing an audit and, and the bookkeeping of your of your numbers, of your finances. And if you want him to do that, he can do that, but that's an extra fee, that's an extra service. But for just, just to file your taxes, all he has is the information that you provide him, which he needs to do that for legal purposes, because he can't be held liable if, uh, for whatever reason, uh, you provided him with incorrect information and he has his name and his license on the line, which is kind of the same thing over here. The mashpia only knows as what he's being told and yes he, he should might, might, it might help to have some intuition and to be able to sniff out a situation but at the end of the day you always need to be honest with your mentor if you're trying to get help yeah
1: that, you know it, uh, for people who uh, suffered from being overweight for many years they also know that they don't uh, not always they're very very honest even with their own doctors <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, you, you you lose a few a uh, few pounds. You go on a short diet, neck before you go to the doctor, so on the scale it looks like you're uh...
1: <laughs> exactly It looked like you lost some pounds. So he shouldn't, you know, tell you how bad you are. But who are you fooling? You're fooling yourself and yourself only.
0: I like what the uh, the Rebbe Rashab said: What's what's the big deal? If you're fooling a fool. If you're if you're uh, fooling yourself."
1: Exactly. So. Uh So yeah, so so first of all, let's stop fooling ourselves. Let's really stop uh, looking, thinking that we have all the answers. We should start being more aware to people around us, being more aware to people who come to our Chabad houses, people who have more challenges than we do. And people that actually do this great leap of changing their lifestyle, getting totally out of their comfort zone, creating a new zone around themselves, willingly getting into the bubble and we should know that we have to know how to accommodate them and to help them um, with this journey that they're taking not only in the first few years of their journey but for the next 20 years because we know how it was growing old in the within the they know this uh, hamama as they say in hebrew this greenhouse they don't we know how parents behave to their children good or bad, within the greenhouse, they don't. Of course, they had, of course, loving parents as it is, but it's a total different experience because it's a different lifestyle, different culture. So, um, anyway... It was an awakening call for me. I wish, maybe you should translate this post and we should post it uh, somewhere.
0: Maybe. I mean, all, all, all the respect, uh, you know, 100% that, uh, someone that decides, makes a decision to become from and to join the Hasidic, the Chabad community and to then move on. Shlichus, even as many of them do. All, all the respect and my hats off to them and uh, I think they they deserve our support and we have to help them uh, continue growing in their way I think that uh, that's the best way to conclude this episode that uh, we we have all the respect for them and, and then they deserve our help
1: they deserve our help they deserve our heart they deserve a lot more than what we deserve because we still we are also work in progress even if we don't want to admit it to ourselves
0: right. that's for a different episode
1: Good talking to you
0: ta isn't.